is all good. It is all good. But I won't read the whole entire chapter, but I'm going to go through the entire chapter and, and give you some thoughts on that tonight uh, and, and, and just give you what it, we got. This psalm is an unusual psalm. When we think about the psalms, we think about David writing the psalms. And he wrote most of the psalms. And then we, we might think about Asaph, who wrote a lot of the other psalms. But this is not written by David or Asaph. This is written by Moses, who wrote the first five books of the Bible. And Moses writes this, uh, psalms. And, and it's written by uh, uh, Moses. And in these verses, Moses speaks repetitively about time. In time element, he talks about morning, he talks about evening. He said the word days many times. He said uh, uh, years many times. And, and he even said the word generation. So Moses is talking about time. Let's read the verse, start in verse number one. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from the everlasting to the everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction, and saith, Return ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight is but a yesterday when it is past, and as watched at the night. Thou carriest them away as with the flood. They are as sheep in the morning. They are like the grass which groweth up. And in the morning it flourishes and it grows up. And in the evening it is cut down and withered. For we are consumed by thy anger and by the wrath we are troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as tale that is told. Underline that. As tales that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and, and seven, ten, and seventy years. And if by reason of strength thou be fourscore years, eighty years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. You know amazing that song we just sung, We Fly Away. This is exactly where they got that song from. We'll fly away. Let us pray. Father, we come before you thanking you for all that you've done. We thank you for your mercy and your grace, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your precious word that we hold in our hands and we can read and feel you talking and breathing to us, Father. We just ask you to touch hearts. Empty himself and fill with thy spirit. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Here in chapter 90 of the Psalms, Moses coming down uh, the home stretch of his journey here on earth. Moses lives to be 120 years old. He lives 40 years in Egypt as the grandson of Pharaoh. He lives for 40 years uh, as a nobody on the backside of the deserts, attending to his father-in-law's sheep. And then he lives for 40 years after that, delivering God's people and walking in a circle in the wilderness. That is Moses' life in a nutshell. And there's three different stages. Uh, God took somebody and made him a nobody. And then God does something with him that after that. That means that God can take a nobody and turn them into a somebody Amen. to use them for a good thing tonight. 
Here we find Moses is coming down to the end of his life. We find that he does what most men that are sense to, that uh, when most men uh, have that wisdom and that sense, when they start to go down to the end of their life, their hair turns gray or turns loose, either one, their body begins to wrinkle, their steps begin to slow, uh, uh, they, they uh, start talking, uh, taking inventory of all that is left behind them. They realize that there is a lot more left behind them than they have in front of them. They start looking back and saying, man, it's been a short walk. Time has passed quickly. You may have 70 years or 80 years, but it seems like it's just a sleep in the night. That's what Moses is saying. It seems like it was just, I was just like a young man. And now I hear him at the end of my life. How many of you can testify that when you maybe heard your grandmother or your grandfather or somebody say, the older you get, the faster time seems to slip away. Amen. It seems like I was young. I can look around and, and I'm, I'm not the oldest one here, but I can go to a nursing home and I can be the youngest one there. We see time is upon us. We, we see that. And, and we need to recognize that time is getting away from us. Time passes by real fast. My children are grown. My grandchildren are grown. Moses saying life is fragile. Life is, uh, is feeble. Life is uh, fleeing. It goes in a hurry. It's not hanging around. And because of that fact, he said you need to take stock. And number your days. He said, "As our life is like the grass that grows, that carries the way with the flood, and they are uh, as they uh, sleep in the morning, they are like grass which grow it up in the morning, it flourishes and then grows up, and in the evening it is cut down and wither away. We're like our life is like grass. We're sown, we're grown, we're mown, we're blown, and then we're gone. Amen. It's quickly. That's how he's talking about life." He said in verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our heart unto wisdom. He said, Lord, don't let me run through my life. Have you ever met anybody that seems like uh, uh, they never grow up? They, they stay a child whole time, you know them. It seems like they never get it. They never grow up. Seems like they run through life as a child. Can I say if Jesus doesn't come back, the angel of death is going to come one of the ways. Nobody gets out of this thing alive, amen? Unless the rapture takes place, then you ought to number your days. I realize if I'm going to do anything for God, if I'm going to do anything for somebody else, this is going to, that's going to have an eternal uh, uh, value to better their life. I've got to get it done. I, I've, I've got to get it done. Start numbering my days. He said that the wisdom is like the wise person. 
An ignorant person is someone that blows their life away and does nothing or think about anything but themselves. And at the end, they are rapidly approaching. We live in a society where COVID has turned our society into people who are afraid to die. They want to die. Child of God, listen to me. If you're saved by the grace of God, you have nothing to fear tonight. I have numbered my days, and if the Lord wants me, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I, I told my wife when I was laying in bed with a fever of 102 and 103, I guess I better get things right because I might be, be checking out tonight. I didn't know if this was the way I was going to go, but obviously it wasn't. But the Lord, uh, he, he spared me, wanted something else. And, and I got thinking about that when I went through this Psalms. I said, Lord, uh, there's something great in here. There's something that you want to show us. Uh, we ought to number our days. We, we cannot waste our time doing nothing or spinning our wheels for the work of God. We've got to get a hold of it and run with it. Amen. It's nothing worse than seeing people working for God doing nothing. Amen. Did you get that? Working for God doing nothing. We, we see that. We see that. And, and through that we find that Moses is coming down to the end of his life. Moses has is, is realized that his life has passed him by. I don't know about you and I, you, but I, I realize that there's a lot less days ahead of me and there's a whole lot more days behind me. And I realized, and I was thinking about this the other day, I realized we've got to, we've got to do things. We've got to get it right. He said in verse number 9, he said, all our days are passed away in, in thy wrath. We spend our years as tales that is told. Tales that is told. He says, spend them wisely because you only get a certain amount of years. I don't know what that is for you and I don't know what it is for me. But the scriptures also said that you, that's proven that you can shorten your years. Uh, you get out there and do the uh, foolish things. You get out there doing the wrong things. God can take some of your years back for you. But the years that we have, we need to spend them wisely doing something for the work of God. Not just on Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday, but every day we need to make sure that we're letting people know I am a child of God and I'm doing the work of God. He says, our lives is as a tale that is being told. He said, Moses said, everybody here, young, old, whoever you are, your life is a tale. Your life is a tale that's being told. You are living your story tonight. You're living your story tonight. Question I'd like to ask you, what tale would your life tell about you? What tale? What, what would be the thing? What's, when it's all said and done and, and when they put the period at the end of your life, what does your story say about you? What's it going to reflect about in your life? Is it, does it reflect the only person you lift up in your life was self? 
or do you lift up others in the glory of God? A lot of us were living a fake story. And, and we need to live a true story. There are some people that have a gift of telling stories. Telling stories. I mean, I, I, you, can, you can sit down, you could be talking to a group of people and they walk up and immediately when they walk up they start talking and people just look at them and laugh and they, they just follow their every word and they got, they've captivated their attention. And some people have that gift of telling a story and just captivates them. I got to think, what, what makes a good story? What makes a good story? You say, well, the material that you have makes a good story. No. No, it doesn't. You, you can take a writer that uh, can take an event like the, uh, 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 the Hindenburg crash and write about it and be so bored and you put it down because it doesn't do anything. But you take a writer that knows how to captivate, know how, how to get your imagination and write about something is insignificant and they write and they captivate you and you read that story and you just cannot put the book down. Have you ever read a book that you just could not put it down? That's not because of the material, it's because the writer who wrote the book has captivated you. He's telling the story. He's telling that, that story that he wants you to know. Can I say your life is the life of your book? It's your book tonight. And what we need to do is, is let God be the author of our book. Because if you and I are the author of our book, guess what? It's not going to be a well-received book. It's not going to be a well-read book. You're not going to captivate anybody's imagination. You're not going to draw anybody else, but we'll let God be the author of our story. We'll let God be the author of our book. Then God will plan it out and God will work it out for you and I. So what is your tell of your story tonight? What would your story tell about you tonight? I say there's three things and I'm going to give them to you real quick that I... I want to see chapters in my book. The first, one, I, 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 first chapter I want to see in my book is the chapter of great forgiveness. Amen. Great forgiveness. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. Moses tells us, Lord, my iniquities are not hid from you. You know my sins. You know my secret sins that I have never told anybody about. Uh, you know the secret sins that I have thought about someone or said about someone. Uh, you know those secret words uh, that I have said in my mind that has never, uh, no one's ever heard other from my lips. Lord, you know them like it. You know the secret sins that I have dwelled on, I've thought on, I've done in my heart. In my imagination. Nobody else knows that. Let's just be real honest tonight. Let's just be honest as we can tonight. If we bring every one of us up one by one. 
and let us stand before here and let heavens roll down the screen of heaven and start projecting the things that we did just last week. And I'm, talk, I'm not talking about the things we actually did. I'm talking about those things that crossed our mind, those things that crossed our thoughts, uh, those imaginations that we had in our hearts and our minds. And if it just showed us, let me tell you what, all of us will be under the pews. Uh, we won't want anybody to see our face because it would embarrass us to death. God sees those thoughts. God knows those thoughts. Uh, hey, when you think that bad thing about the preacher, God heard it. Amen. God heard it. God knows everything you think about. And if we brought everybody up there and done that tonight, we all would be messed up. God sees all that. All those sins. All our shortcomings. All our faults. Our failures. But look at verse 14. Oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Moses said, yes, you know about all my sins. You know about all my iniquities. You know my faults. You know my failures. But God, you have shown mercy tonight. You're giving me what I deserve, not giving me what I deserve, but you gave me what I don't deserve. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Mercy is God holding back what we do deserve. And that's the judgment of God, the wrath of God. We deserve that for who we are and what we've done. I like my story tell of great forgiveness that as I received, that I received, I've been forgiven. My slate's been wiped clean. I didn't get hell, but he gave me heaven. Do you have a chapter in your life? Can you look back and say, I've got a chapter in my life that I received great forgiveness? Because let me tell you, if you haven't got a chapter in your life where you receive great forgiveness, there is a chapter in your life, uh, and it says hell and fire and damnation. It tells us that if you haven't got Jesus as your Savior, there is a lake of fire in your chapter tonight. I've already read the last chapter of my life. I know what it is. I, I read the last chapter in Revelations, chapter 21, chapter 22. My last chapter has all been written by God. My chapter, as great forgiveness said, I am going to wind up in a new heaven, a new Jerusalem, and where there's no more suffering, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. I know what my last chapter of my book will say tonight. What's your chapter? What's your chapter? I, I want a chapter in my book that says, tell of great forgiveness. But I also want a chapter in my book that says, a tale of God's favor. Look at verse 16. Let thy work appear unto thy servant, and thy glory unto thy children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yes, the work of our hands established thou. Moses, Moses realized God's favors is on those that serve God. Can I say that again? God's favor is on those who serve God tonight. That's what he's saying. He said, God, we are serving you. 
We're working for you. And because we are doing something for you, your beauty is upon us. Your smile is upon us. Your kiss is approval upon us. Your hand is upon us. You want to see God's beauty in your life? You want to see God's glory in your life? You want to see God's hand in your life? You want to see God's favor in our life? Let me tell you how you do that. Serving with everything you got. And you'll see that. That means serving them at home, serving them at hot jobs, serving them with whatever you're doing, your hobbies, whatever you're doing, serve God with all that you have. Because your days are numbered. Your life is a tale. And it's being told as you speak, set right here and right now. Give God the glory for everything you do. The Bible says whether you do it for Christ, do it wholeheartedly. Throw your whole soul into it. Not just in a passing whim, uh, just say, hey, I'll do it. But put all your heart into it. Your strength, your soul. Solomon said, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do it, do it with thy might. If you're going to give everything you've got, you ought to do it right. And you ought to do it for him. It, your story ought to say, I have the favor of God. I have the hand of God. I have the kiss approval of God in my life. And the beauty of God is resting upon me. The great forgiveness chapter of your life. The favor of God in your life. It also talks about a glad flight. We sung that song, I'll Fly Away. Verse 10, the days of thy servants are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength and labor and sorrow for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Some glad morning than this life is over, we'll fly away. I'm going to take a flight one of these days. And it's not going to be an airplane, but it's going to be by plane air. Amen. I ain't going to have to get on board or anything. My ticket's already punched. I'm going up plain air. Won't need a plane. I'm flying away. You, you, know, you know when you, when I, when I did fly, I had to get a ticket. You have to get a ticket to get on a plane today. And when you get that ticket in your hand, that ticket tells your final destination. It says you're leaving here and you're to arrive at this place. That is your final destination. When you get on that plane, you got that ticket in your hand and you're sitting there in your seat, you know, hey, when we take off and when I land, I know exactly where I am going to be at. I'm not going to worry about it. When you sit down in that seat and you sit back and they put that fashion your seatbelt light on, you're saying, I put all my faith and trust in the captain of this ship. I, I'm going to say, I, I put my faith and trust in him. I'm going to take a trip and I'm putting all my faith and all my trust in the captain of my ship. And it ain't going to be no airship. It's going to be plain air. I'm going to get up and I'm going to leave this world one day. If God tarries, I am going to leave this world. But you know what? A lot of people don't know where they're going though. They have no clue where they're going to go at. 
They don't know where their flight's going to end at. You're going to fly away someday. And your destination is only two places. Your final destination, your flight could really say, hey, you're going to be in heaven or you're going to be in the lake of fire. So where's your landing spot going to be at tonight? We have a life to tell. Our lives are telling the world around us, this is who I am. Because we're only given so many days on this earth to feel what God has got before us. And the people say, well, how do you know where you're going? How do you know that you, you, you're going to heaven? Well, the Bible says it's clear and plain about it. These things I have written unto you that you believe on the name of the Son of God, that you know that you have eternal life. I know. I know. There's no worry, no doubt in my mind about where I'm heading. There's no worry about that. Jesus said, if you want to go to heaven, I am the way, the truth, the way, the light. He says, the only one can come is by me. There's no other way. Our life is a tale. When you get up tomorrow morning, you go to work or whatever you do tomorrow, you're telling a tale of your life. You're showing people who you are, no matter what you're doing. I, I read a story the other day. And it's sad. It was a sad story. It's the old man. He lived his years out. And he had come to the end of his life. And he was, they set him up in a chair in his little room there and had the fireplace going. He was sitting there. And he had been thinking about dying. He thought about dying. And the doctor came by and wanted to check in on him. He's talking about how you doing. He says, well, Doc, I'm going to do it as good as I can. He said, Doc, and they're both Christians. He, he was a Christian man saved, and the Doc was a believer. He said, uh, I'm kind of afraid. I'm, I'm, I'm a little weary. I'm kind of afraid. Doc said, what are you afraid of? But he says, I've never been through that door, and I, I just don't know what's on the other side. I don't know what awaits me. I haven't been to that door. And he was sitting there, and about that time, a dog starts scratching at the door and start whimpering. And the doctor says, you want me to let, let, let the dog in? He said, no, 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 don't let that dog in. We never let him in this room here. We don't, we don't want to come in here. So the doctor was sitting there looking at him, thinking about it. And about that time, that dog came to the door and started whimpering and, and scratching on that door. He said, you sure you don't want to let the dog in? He said, no, no, we, we don't let him in this room. He said, uh, dog's on that side of that door. He, he ain't never been in this room. He don't know what's on this side. The reason why he's out there scratching and whimpering is because he hears his master. And he loves his master. He wants to be with his master. And he's trying to get to where his master's at. The doctor looked at him and says, your master's on the other side of that door. You might not have been there, but you know what? He's there waiting on you. He loves you. He wants, just when you go through that door, watch for the master. You know when your hair turns gray, when it turns loose? 
You know the number of days you got left for you? It's getting short. It's getting short. We don't know what our tomorrow holds, but we certainly know who holds tomorrow. You've got a life to live. Give it all the glory to God. Let God be the author of your book. Let him write the chapters in your life that he needs to write. And when it's time for you to go through that door, he's on the other side waiting for you and I. Amen. Let us pray. Father.